I'm Kate Daniels. We're going to meet a very brave and deeply devoted father, Dr. Buck Blodgett. He's lived through what we could call horror, the murder of his daughter, Jessie. And the thing that is so critically important here is the choice he made about how he would go forward, how he would live his life. And it is very much based on Jesse's passions and desire to do good in the world. Jesse believed that love is greater than hate. And so let's meet Dr. Blodgett to hear more of this moving and important story. Dr. Buck Blodgett, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Good morning, Kate. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I am so um, touched, deeply touched by you, your family, your your wife, Joy, your daughter, Jessie, that you are sharing this critically important story, which you, you've written this book, A Message from Jessie, wanting to share with the world all that's gone on from such a, a, an unimaginable tragedy, her murder, to wanting to share all this with the world. Uh, it's just a profound story. So first of all, thank you for doing that. You're so welcome. Thanks for giving me and Jess a chance to share her story and her messages and her mission. It is profound. It was profoundly painful out of the gate when it happened six years ago, and it still is. Um, But there's so much more to it. And, um, you know, to have a platform to do whatever we can to move this world and people forward, I'm grateful for and it has turned into a mission, a mission whose simple phrase is, uh, again, profound and something that uh, is not, this is not glib at all. It really, I truly believe with you, needs to be embraced, and that is that love is greater than hate. Yeah, the name of the project, Jesse's Legacy, is the Love is Greater Than Hate Project. And we have a dual mission, and the first is to end violence against our girls and our women, to end male-on-female violence. And the second is inspiring love over hate. And I know those are both, um, probably half your listeners think that I got my head in the clouds now and my feet not on the ground. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're dead serious about it, and it needs to happen. And, you know... S- Now more than ever, and as I was grappling with that, thinking of how it feels that there's almost an escalation, or maybe we're just more aware, but maybe that's what happens before we kind of have a triumph, is things just really get worse before they really make a turn and get better. Boy, they look bad right now, don't they? If you look out into this world with open eyes, it just looks so bad, and it looks so hopeless and so dark. But, you know, there's there's an old saying, it's always darkest um, before the dawn. And, um, you know, they don't have old sayings for no reason. There's some there's a lot of truth in that. And a lot of times I, I have this coach who teaches me that whenever you commit to something, what's going to automatically and naturally come up sooner or later, likely sooner, is whatever it is that's in the way of having that thing. Otherwise, you'd already have it. So, you know, if we're committed to a a peaceful and harmonious society, um, we're going to have times where where the darkness and the hate just really erupts. But it's better to see it and to uh, have conversations about it and to deal with it than it is to have it be buried and not talked about like it has been for so long. 
And has that been your experience that people have not wanted to talk about it because you're being so open? Perhaps it's elicited more conversation. Yeah, this issue of male-on-female violence, and I'm 59 now, and for my whole life, it's been taboo. You don't talk about this, especially in the Midwest. I'm, I'm talking with you from just outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin today. And, and by the way, love Seattle. My wife and I met and married almost 34 years ago in Seattle. And, but, um, you know, it, it's, um, it, it's just it's a hard issue, and, and it's difficult to talk about. It's especially difficult for men to talk about. There's a long human history of not talking about this. It's the number one factor in keeping this problem in place is the shroud of silence and secrecy and intimidation and fear and violence around it to protect the secrets. But for the first time in our lifetime, Kate, we are seeing it's now a white-hot national conversation in the last few years. And it looks really bad because so many people are coming out with their stories, but they've always been there. And, and it's progress. It's, it's huge progress, the increase of awareness and conversation and commitment to doing something about it. And yes, that's what we want to do, too, is have that conversation, really bring it to the surface, because we we can't believe that, that the perpetrators, um, well, th- they get something from that, but th- th- they're so locked up in that kind of uh, hate, in that kind of emotion, that wanting to bring light to that and bring them out of that uh, in some way is important in all of this. If You know, I speak in prisons a lot, and, and people say, why do you want to go there? Let them rot. And to me, that just so misses it. That's, that's where we want to go. That's where we need to go. The, those of us, where I, I have come to believe that we're all broken on multiple levels, and most of us don't even know it. I didn't for 53 years. There's a real freedom in seeing how absolutely fragile I am now. Um, but that's where we want to go, and, and that's who we need to talk to. That's what we need to talk about. For those who, who don't know yet, uh, my daughter, Jessie, 19 years old, was attacked. And a little trigger warning here for our audience. She was attacked on a Monday morning on July 15, 2013, in, uh, while sleeping peacefully in her own bed by a friend who was welcome in her home and who sat right next to her in school for four years, first, second chair violin in the orchestra and all the musicals and plays and forensics and everything. And um, it wasn't a crime of passion. He planned it. It was a planned execution. And he came in and uh, after me and Joy went to work and surprised Jessie in her sleep and hogtied her and raped her and then strangled her to death. And that just blew up my world. You know, I, it, I, you see this on TV and you hear it on the radio but it never happens to us, never happens to me. That's what everybody thinks until it does. And to see that level of evil, of darkness, in a 19-year-old kid who was a straight-A student and never in trouble, who had, his computer search showed had fantasized about this for a long time and planned it, was just um, not only incredibly painful, but incredibly eye-opening and I just had to do something. I knew I had a new job in life, had to do something about this, whatever I could. And obviously, you are 
making great strides in that. Even from from the first days, you already had started on this mission, and you found that there was great support in your community uh, of wanting to to move forward. You know, there's days where it looks like, what am I doing? You, you want to change the world? It looks like nothing's changing and nothing's happening, and it, it always looks like that to us. Change comes slow, but uh, and it's hard one. But you're right, from day one, the outpouring of love from my small town, from our community, Hartford, 14,000 people in Wisconsin. It just, you know, I've always seen the good in people. I've always liked people and um, been a little bit naive and happy maybe, uh, probably still am, but in a different way now. But the outpouring of love, and it continues to this day, just changed me made me see not only the incredible darkness in people, but also the incredible goodness and light and love in people. And uh, people loved on me and Joy just like crazy for a long time. And at one point I remember thinking, why don't we do this for each other every day, always? Why does it take tragedy to bring out the best in us? Why don't we practice? The, you know, people practice instruments and sports and whatever and get really good at it. Why don't we practice at unconditional love, just five, ten minutes a day. What if everybody did that? So a mission was born. Uh, Jesse, Jesse's mission in life, ironically, was male-on-female violence, and she tried to tell me about it. And um, I listened, but I didn't get it until it hit us. And now I do this so that you'll get it, so all our listeners will get it before it hits their family, or if it already has, so that I can hopefully say one thing this morning that forwards their healing process. And the book, A Message from Jesse, certainly has that ability. The healing can certainly come on so many levels from that. So let's mention that the book, of course, is readily available at any of our favorite book sources and online as well. Yep, it's on Amazon.com. That's the best place to get it, or on our website. Our website is L-I-G-T-H. That stands for Love is Greater Than Hate, L-I-G-T-H.org. And if you go to the toolbar and shop, you can find the book there, or you can just go right on Amazon, A Message from Jesse, um, Murder and Miracles in the Heartland. And that word message, it has so many meanings, I think. It's, it is the story, but literally, you know, I think what we can look forward to is is your transformation in this way too of of a, a greater belief that the world is not just what we see and is what we touch right here that there's so much more to it. You know, I don't know how to explain my transformation, Kate. Well, I think I do, um, but it, um, I just for the record, I was an atheist when this happened. So was Jess. We identified as atheists, though both of us were on lifelong spiritual journeys. It's obvious when we look back. Um, And I'm not anymore. Now I have a a religious practice. I have a spirituality that's so real for me. Um, And, but what happened was that over the course of about a year um, after Jesse's murder, about two dozen crazy, amazing, and beautiful things happened to me and her friends and my friends that uh, made me realize I'd been missing something for 53 years. And um, there's something here that uh, I wasn't seeing, and it changed my worldview forever. And um, I don't know how to explain the 
uh, peace and joy. And again, I don't want your listeners to think I'm nuts. The, the pain is off the charts, and it's six years and one month, and it's five days later, and it's uh, will never go away. I'm convinced now. People told us that we're right. It's intense and it's bad. Um, but with that coexists a profound peace and joy that I never knew before. And it has been a total transformation for me. And I want that for everybody. I want that for our world. And and to see what can be that where it would be so easy to either isolate or come back with vengeance, you you found this love, this peace that you want to, well, be that change in the world. But in the course of this, too, being able to forgive the murderer, that is probably beyond the comprehension of too many of us. I think it's beyond my ability to explain. I think that forgiveness found me as opposed to the other way around and um, feels like that anyway. And um, there's a certain um, strange, meant-to-be kind of feeling about all of this, too. If you listen to the songs that we captured uh, on media, we have seven of Jesse's songs. She was really talented, really smart, really passionate, and a kid of causes, just fiercely passionate about um, justice in the world for animals and people and the environment. And we, she wrote a lot of music, but it was in little pieces here and there. She didn't care to be recognized for it. She just wanted to create. And But we, some of her friends did capture seven of her songs on YouTube. And if you listen to them, um, some of the lyrics are just like really weirdly prophetic and strange. And um, so I feel like uh, me and her are in this together. And she did her part. And now until my time comes, I got to do mine. And, you know, this is really meant to just think about our own life and purpose and, and thinking of Jesse's just being snatched away too much too soon and and how talented and wonderful and passionate she was. Not being here, it's like she's at a, in a greater dimension where she's having even a much greater effect. Does, do you feel that? After her murder, I, I thought I knew her best. And we were like best friends. I got two best friends, Jesse and Joy. And um, she, I started to find out, people started coming out of the woodwork. And I started to find out how big of a life she had. I had no idea. She had a friend in Wausau, which is upstate Wisconsin, three hours away. I had no idea how she connected with that person. People um, in, in a lot of different places, a lot of people in a lot of places. And people who... Um, you know, I know we do this when people die, but people who just uh, tried hard to impress on me and Joy the impact that Jesse had in their lives and how big her reach was and her voice and her footprint for good in this world, in her, in her circle. Um, you know, and, and she, I don't want to overdo it. She was a 19-year-old kid, and she, locally she was well-known and had a pretty big footprint and tentacles spreading out from there, too, in life. In death, my gosh, the, the reach and the impact in death. You know, she now has four uh, one-hour made-for-TV documentary films that have been seen in the last four years by tens of millions of people on five continents. And all of them, I don't know about all of them, I can't say that, but we get a lot of testimonials and 
messages on Facebook and this website and whatnot about the impact of the forgiveness um, that her story is bringing people. And these are messages that are so critically important for all of us all of the time. And as we were saying earlier, how there just seems to be so so much of this negative happening in our world. So therefore, much more need for, for the love and for all the forgiveness to go on. In terms of, well, you mentioned visiting those in prison, uh, speaking to those who are uh, behind bars. What is their reaction? Well, everybody's different, so I don't want to overgeneralize, but I've been really surprised by how receptive and eager, how hungry the inmates are generally for um for these messages because, you know, the forgiveness includes them too. And let me back up a step just so your listeners um, know me a little bit better. I, uh, forgiveness is different from acceptance. I will never accept. I will never excuse, never excuse what Dan did to Jesse. will never excuse any human for any violence against any other human, especially if there's a, a power imbalance like a 210 pound man on a 110 pound sleeping girl. Never excuse that. Um, but that's a completely different thing than forgiveness and love. And um, I don't think Dan should ever get out. He's He has a life sentence with no chance of parole, and I think that's right. And I don't say that to be vengeful or stick it to him or see him get his, but just because practically I don't believe there's a professional alive who could guarantee that he wouldn't do it again if he got out. And, you know, I'm sorry if you aren't safe to be with innocent, free people. We have to put you somewhere where you can't harm them. But that doesn't mean I can't forgive him. It doesn't mean I can't love him. And for me, love, is, I told him I forgave him at sentencing, and I told him I loved him, and I didn't mean it like I like him. It's not Love isn't a feeling. It's a commitment. It's a statement about what I'm bringing into this world. We saw what Dan brought into this world July 15, 2013. Now it's my turn. Now it's Jesse's turn for the rest of our lives. And it's our listeners' turn. What are you bringing into this world today? How will you react when violence breaks out, when darkness breaks out in your life? We can either respond in kind or we can get better, us humans, at responding and reacting to darkness with love and peace and light and forgiveness. And to really, again... uh have a deeper understanding. I think at the website, there are all these videos and testimonials and uh, really the stories that are going to help us to really get a better sense of it, along with, of course, the book, A Message from Jesse. So uh, the website, once again, Dr. Blodgett? The website is org. That stands for Love is Greater Than Hate, org. We're also on Facebook, that's where uh, we have the most engagement with people, I think, in today's world. And um, you just look up the love, uh, love is capital, greater than symbol, the love is greater than hate project. And, of course, that uh, is came about after uh, Jesse's murder after her death. But the story of Facebook for you uh, started with her, and she felt that you needed to be on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) 
She did. Thank you for reading the book. I can tell you did. She, um, Jesse put me on Facebook in 2010, three years before I got on it, and I was mad. I didn't want that. She's like, Dad, you got to get on Facebook. She was proud of me, and she loved me, and she wanted, she liked how I interacted with her friends, and she wanted me to join the Facebook world. And I said, Honey, I'm too busy already, and I don't have time for Facebook. And oh, but Dad, it's easy. You can just do as much as you want or as little as you want. And I said, no, I'm going to get friend requests and people are going to think I'm blowing them off because I'm not responding. And we went back and forth like that. And um, three years later, when she was taken so suddenly from us, Facebook exploded her Facebook page with just incredible statements by her friends. And um, I knew it was time for me to get on to. So that was that was a wonderful a connection again and and really an affirmation about the the connection and how life does go on how the two of you were so connected in physical life that it, this has continued on in so many ways uh since she was so brutally taken from you yeah you know i know we all have different world views and spiritual and religious beliefs but um you know, and, and the reality of it in this world, in this physical world, is Jess is dead and gone. But, boy, her, uh, she made it clear, in, in my opinion, um, and it's, if, if you knew what I knew, it's no opinion. She made it crystal clear over and over that though her body was dead and gone, she um, was still showing us that she was here with us, loving, comforting, and supporting us in crazy beautiful ways um so yeah she her 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 footprint is far from over though she left us six years ago her footprint has not and was there's a beauty um I think that any of us who are struggling can find some wonderful affirmations and sh- so signs, signs appear around us. And I've heard other people share this uh, in terms of signs that they've felt from their loved ones. For you um, and for many others around you, butterflies were important. Yes. And, you know, people who told me about signs for the first 53 years of my life, you know, I was, I've always been real open and, um, I didn't. I never dismissed, and I always listened. But I just—you can't believe it till it happens to you. And I just thought, you know, most of that is is wishful thinking, and most of that is, you know, I know the human mind is is tricky and dangerous, also, and very creative. And we tend to see what we want to see sometimes, and believe what we want to, and gather evidence for the viewpoint we already have. And I get all that, and at the same time. Something happened at the bottom of my driveway the day after, the morning after she was killed, um, that changed everything for me. It was the first of about a dozen odd butterfly events that happened to me, and and most of them happened to others. And then those escalated into things like exploding light bulbs in the bathroom the uh, a minute or two before Dan came to our house the day after he killed Jesse for our vigil which I didn't find out about till about six months later. Joy told me she's in the bathroom and Dan's about to knock on the door and the light bulb. No, I know light bulbs probably spontaneously explode sometimes, but we lived in that house for 20 years and that's the one time it happened. 
the day after Dan killed Jesse, a minute before he knocked on our door. And things like that just kept happening over and over, always just at the right time with often some beneficial coincidence kind of a thing. And eventually you just go, oh, my gosh, I've been missing something here. Yes, it it does inspire us to really be aware that, it, you know, there are other dimensions beyond what we just physically react to here uh, most of the time. Well, you know, if you were a shark, you could smell a drop of blood a mile away in the ocean, underwater. And if you were a bat, you could fly around in pitch black darkness and deep in a cave and catch insects and never hit the walls. And if you were a bloodhound, you could run after a human who had walked across the ground three or four days earlier. All animals in the animal kingdom, we all have different senses. Why should humans think? Just because of the five senses we have and use, why should we think we see the world the way it is? You know, if you have five people who watch a crime happen, you'll get five varying accounts if you're a police officer taking their testimony. Why do we think that the way I see it is the way it is? Yes. So this wonderful book, A Message from Jesse, opens up our eyes just to so much more about our world. It, we get the story, the brutality, but from it, just so much good that is happening and, and the good that is happening too, which is the mission is to end this kind of violence. And and really, you're seeing that this is picking up momentum, isn't it, Dr. Blodgett? You know, I wouldn't still be doing this. This was cathartic for me, and it still is, but I wouldn't still be doing this if this was a one-in-a-million thing, Kate. But Jesse taught me that it's one out of three. One out of three of our girls and women will experience some form of sexual assault in their lifetime. And for many of them, it will change everything. It'll change them forever. It'll be a trauma that men just don't understand, which is why men sometimes sentence a man who does such a thing to six months of community service, not understanding the lifetime impact on the victim. One out of three, one out of four domestic violence, one out of six of our boys, sexual assault, one out of seven of our boys, domestic violence, 10 more women killed by a man today in my country, your country, 10 more tomorrow, 10 more the next day, every day, 10 more Jesse's every day. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's, you know, farm country, inner city, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, First Nations people, everyone, everywhere, every culture on earth. And it's time. And I know most people think things like, this. what do you mean you're going to end violence against women? It's been here since the dawn of mankind. It's impossible. Get your head out of the clouds. But, you know, we thought the moon was impossible till we got there. We thought crossing the Atlantic Ocean was impossible till we did. I would imagine the people who started the movements to end slavery in the United States, end apartheid in South Africa, convert feudal kingdoms and dictatorships all over Europe to democracies. I imagine they all thought it was impossible until it happened. So this might be the biggest, hardest one ever, but nothing's impossible. We just haven't done it yet. And I just am so grateful that you are sharing this painful story, but making it count so that we can move forward and make an end to this finally. So Dr. Buck Blodgett, thank you so greatly for spending this time for us, 
with us this morning for sharing your story, for making us more informed about what you are doing and about making Jesse's life really count. Thank you, Kate, and everybody who's listening for, uh, you know, it's a gift to me when I get to talk about Jesse and her legacy project. And I hope people take one small action today and every day to move this forward. Thank you so much. That website, once again, for the Love is Greater Than Hate project is L-I-G-T-H dot org. And now we take a moment for our Sunday morning shout out. Focusing today on PAWS, Progressive Animal Welfare Society, which is an incredible nonprofit organization helping animals, but making a difference in people's lives, enriching lives, enriching the community. PAWS is a champion for animals, rehabilitating injured and orphaned wildlife, sheltering and adopting homeless cats and dogs, and educating people to make a better world for animals and for people. PAWS is always in need of volunteers and financial support. Visit PAWS.org to learn more and to find ways to be involved. One of the great ways to be involved is with this annual event coming up really soon, Pause Walk. It's back on Saturday, September 7th at Seattle's Magnuson Park. Join your friends and a thousand other generous folks who want to help animals in need, just like you. Go to pausewalk.net to sign up today. Funds from Pause Walk support the expert care that Pause gives to more than 8,000 dogs, cats, and wild animals each year. Pause Walk has food trucks, dog activities, and entertainment for the entire family, and also adoptable dogs. You can adopt right there. If you're an animal lover, and you just well might be, Pause Walk is just for you. Register now at pausewalk.net. So here you have so many opportunities. Support a great local organization, protect animals, potentially discover a new fur family member. So visit pause.org to discover more ways to make a positive difference in our world.